0: As always, we are brought to you by The Cover. You can find them at thecover.com.au or The Cover AU on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and just wherever you find good podcasts. first to, 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 oh, James. James to choose from which Coach. He hits it, he's yes. got it. He's got the field goal, he's got the premiership better than Liga. What can I say? Mamba out. And we are back. Welcome back to the Fifth End Dribble Podcast. You're sitting here with your boy Riding Solo, Maddie B. Something poetic about episode 169. Nice. And Riding Solo. Um, the juxtaposition is crazy, but it is what it is. Today's the NBA show, uh, and we are doing this a day early. But you will still get it on the same day. Uh, Only because the State of Origin is tomorrow night. and We did a bit of a State of Origin dive in episode 168. So make sure you go back and listen to that. We talked all things Latrell Mitchell, uh, Nathan Cleary, and Cameron Munster. A lot of wall-pulling. A lot of wall-pulling. Don't know how bad Trell's injury really is. But I mean, hey, go back to 168. Listen to that. Their weeks have been pretty good. Uh, Busy week, as always, with teaching Lock we don't really care about, and the Sherpa is not here on a Thursday, so who really cares? What did happen today, though, was the Miami Heat took down the Boston Celtics in Game 7. Look, Jimmy predicted it, and it came true in 2022, the end of Game 7. Jimmy said, we'll be back next year, and uh, we'll get the job done, and that they did, that they did. Uh, We're going to do a little review breakdown of the game for those that didn't see it. Um, And then I'm going to dive into a bit of a preview of the Nuggets and Miami series. Now, I apologize now if there's a little bit of feedback. I'm at my home studio. And as we know, my home studio is floor boarded. So there is a little bit of reverb. However, it's like the good old days, you know, when we were doing it on um, Zoom, when the boys were just two mics, I've got the legs up on the table like I used to, leaning back in the chair and just having a good old time by my lonesome. Bit of self-romancing and um, self-romancing in your ears, whether you like it or not. So Miami versus Boston, uh, we have had a welfare check on Boston Dave, he is okay. Um, I messaged him. Let's pull up my phone just very quickly. I messaged the man, the myth, the legend. Uh, Actually, he messaged me at 11.37, Miami in seven. Um, Tatum so injured, so bad shooting today. Brown was horrible. Sorry. Welfare check at 12.37. He then came back and said, Denver in four. Tatum getting hurt sucks and wasn't ideal. Uh, Boston are the same as South Sydney. So, um, look, as you know, he's a, he's a South Sydney fan as well. Um, who, as Lachlan said, they're trying to win the comp in May. They just don't get football. But it is what it is. Who really cares? Miami versus Boston. Now, Miami came out cold. It took them three minutes to hit their first shot. They were not vibing at all. And Brown came out cooking. Uh, Caleb Martin has been uh, the unsung hero of this series. And the man uh, came out, had a couple of offensive rebounds. Eric Spolstra starting him has been just a stroke of genius. He was almost a top scorer today, um, and he's had a couple of obvious massive games. He almost won the Larry Bird Eastern Conference Finals player of the Eastern Conference. Player of the round? Player of the Eastern Conference. I don't know how the fuck that comes off the tongue, but it is what it is. He almost won. He got four votes to Jimmy's five. That, to me, is absolutely ludicrous. That is shades of Andre Iguodala winning the finals MVP. Um, but it was good to see. Uh, Caleb Martin. Somebody else needed to step up. I mean, we Tyler Hero out with Victor Oladipo out. They need another scorer. Um, and scorers, they have in bunches. In Max Drews, Duncan Robinson, Kevin Love is always good for a couple of threes. Um, you know, Kyle Lowry did his thing today. But Caleb Martin was the one that, that um, stood up and... In my notes here, I've got scrapping was always going to get Miami the win today, and you know, ten plus rebounds from Caleb Barton, ten rebounds from Bam Adebayo. You had seven rebounds from Jimmy Butler himself. Like there was, there was a lot going on. There was a lot going on. Uh, Jimmy also came out and was hitting his shots early, and that was huge. He's obviously someone that needs to see the ball go through the hoop quickly and early. Otherwise, he starts very very slow. We saw this in Game Six. Actually, we saw this games four, five, and six, um, and in game six, it wasn't until he actually started to get to the free throw line in the fourth quarter that we saw any production out of Jimmy whatsoever. So it was good to see him getting it going early, um, and before you knew it, that Heat had a ten point lead. But I mean, as we know in today's modern game, ten points is nothing absolutely nothing. So 10-point lead coming into the second quarter, and Boston could not buy a bucket. Miami was doing everything that they absolutely could to capitalize on Al Horford being on the court. I saw many, many, many back cuts from Duncan Robinson, Caleb Martin, Max Struess, and it was pulling Robert Williams out of of the way. Um, It was pulling Grant Williams out of the way. They just didn't really, Boston that is, have an answer for... Al Horford's lacking defense. He was just a liability on that end, but he's kind of a guy that you have to have out there offensively. I mean, he's good for anywhere between three and seven threes a game. So, if you don't have him out there, you're just you're hurting yourselves as an offensive team. But if you do have him out there, you're hurting yourself defensively. But I mean, the same thing I guess can be said for Duncan Robinson. Duncan Robinson can be um, a target for other teams' offenses because he's not a fantastic defender. But um, can also, you know, light it up. We saw it at certain parts throughout this series, definitely in Game 6. Duncan Robinson could have put the game away, won the game for the Miami Heat, um, fumbled the bag a little bit, but they obviously ended up getting it done in the end. Um, as I said, it's hard not to have Horford on the court. He's such a weapon from the three-point line, um, but they're going to have to do some soul searching in the offseason and find out what is the proper rotation. Is it time to maybe bring Horford off the bench and have uh, someone a little bit younger, a little bit quicker like Grant Williams out there to maybe prevent those back cuts, but then you've got him talking trash to Jimmy Butler and giving up a game there. So, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know the answers. I'm not paid the money to know the answers, um... Jimmy really felt like he was everywhere in this game. He had a consistent output all game. Didn't have a massive game. Um, he only had, what is that, 28 points. But, I mean, broken down into quarters, he had 6, 5, 8, and 9. Obviously, stood up in the second half. And I think that that was just indicative of of the Miami Heat's performance. I mean, Miami were obviously massive in the second half. I think it was a 27-18 fourth quarter where Boston just kind of gave up. They shot less than forty percent. Uh, I got the stats later in the later in the show, but um, it just you know Miami had the gas and Boston didn't. As soon as Jason Tatum went down with that ankle injury, it kind of was all she wrote. I mean, Miami's a deeper team, but I think Boston definitely have more top end talent, um, and that is just um, kind of the way the cookie crumbles. Usually, the deeper team gets the job done. Um, I think the coaching obviously had a huge impact on this. On this game, I mean, Eric Spolstra stuck to his stuck to his zone, stuck to his guys moving the ball, and um, I don't know if Joe Mazzula has like an offensive set. I know he likes to pass the ball a lot, but they play a lot of five out, and then they play a lot of like um, high pick and roll coverage. Um, there's not a lot of paint presence from what I can see. I mean, maybe I'm blind. Maybe I'm blind. But I mean, Jimmy just felt like the difference today. Uh, the last three games, he had little to no consistency. And, you know, 11 first-half points and then 17 second-half points. It's just, uh, it's just helpful. And, you know, I said this last week, and I'll say it again this week. Bam, when Bam plays in his role and he does this thing and he gets on the boards and he moves the ball, Miami are a much better team. Bam doesn't have to come out and give you 15 to 20 points every night, 25 points every night. I mean, 15 would be nice. He had 12, 10, and 7 tonight. Um, and as I said, I said it last week after game four. When he's out-rebounded, he, he's just no good to the Miami Heat. He had 10 rebounds today. Al Horford only had eight. Um, and, you know, Ben was in high pick and rolls. He was doing dump-off passes. He was setting up teammates all over the place. Um, and it just kind of picked Boston apart. One of the things that I really noticed in the third quarter, as I said, the Celtics were just playing in this five-out offense. Uh, no one was cutting a lot of iso ball, driving kick, and then just kind of hope to, um, to hit the shot. And it didn't obviously, I mean, if you look at the score, it didn't work in their favor for that. I mean, their third quarter shooting, if I'm just looking at the numbers now, um, it is not loading for me, which is uh, frustrating. Let's have a look. Third quarter shooting. I mean, they shot shy of 50%. Um, seven of their 15 shots were from behind the arc. So, you know, 42% from behind the arc is pretty good. They got to the free throw line a little bit as well. Nearly 90% free throw. But, I mean, you know, you can't be getting up 15 shots and letting Miami get up 25. Like, the turnover, they only had four turnovers. Um, but Miami just, you know, they know how to take care of the ball. And this is just in the third quarter alone. For the game... Miami had twelve turnovers to Boston's fifteen, so that third quarter was the was the real swing. It was the real, the real deal. Um, so yeah, on one side you had the Celtics doing that five out, no one cutting, all that business, and Miami was the opposite. As I said, they were moving on every possession. The ball was moving um, more than the players, and they ended the game with a twenty six assist game um, versus the Boston Celtics eighteen. So, Celtics had 18 assists on 32 shots, whereas Miami had 26 on 42. So, that, you know, that tells me that there's not a lot of iso ball going on there. And and Miami weren't getting the rub of the whistle tonight. They only went to the free throw line six times versus Boston's 13. So, I mean, this score could have been even worse if um, some more calls went their way in terms of, you know, at the basket. But they were just hitting their shots um, 50% from downtown on 28 attempts whereas you know Boston who have always all season lived and died by the three 21% on 42 attempts is just not good enough and and I mean if you're looking for a more glaring stat then that's then you know you're looking look no further than that that is that is just appalling absolutely appalling in all of the games that they've played uh, in this series, if they've you know made less than 14 threes, they've lost most of those games. But on a, on a clip like that, it's just unacceptable. Uh, for me, the game really turned when Jalen Brown committed the offensive foul against Bam at a bio. Um, similarly to game six, even though Miami got back into it, uh, I think it was Jimmy Butler committed a, uh, a transition foul and um, it was an offensive foul, and it, it resulted in a bit of a Boston run and Boston kind of getting the upper hand and Miami finding it really hard and, like, stagnant to get their offense going, whereas, like, the same thing happened um, when Jalen Brown hit Bam in the face. It was a 10-point um, score. Obviously, you know, Tatum wasn't his best, uh, but, you know, 10-point lead coming into the fourth for Miami, and then they just they blew it open even further, 27-18 to 18 quarter, Saw Boston seemingly give up. Uh, for the game, Miami shot nearly seventy percent. Seventy. Oh, sorry, not for the game. That's a lie. That is a lie. For the quarter, for the fourth quarter, Miami shot nearly seventy percent, sixty-eight point eight percent versus Boston's thirty-four point eight. So I alluded to that a little bit earlier. That's just yeah, that's just not good enough in the end. Um, you know, you big guys need to stand up. They need to hit shots. It may come out in you know in a day or so. I'm obviously recording this Tuesday night, so we may know by now the severity of Jason Tatum's injury, but he was out there. He was playing. You know, he wants to be the next Kobe. He wants to be the next Mamba. You got to play through stuff like that. I mean, speaking of Kobe, the man tore his Achilles came out and still shot the free throws. He wanted to play in the game, um, and his trainers told him that if he continued to play on the foot the way that it was, he, you know, may not be able to walk ever again. So... That just shows the determination of what, you know, 90s and early 2000s. I mean, Kobe just in general was a, a, a different fucking beast. But um, we all know how much of a Kobe stan I am. Um, it, just, it would just be nice to see Jason Tatum do something like that. Um, and just, it, it, he's a big game player. He he turns up in big games. I'm not discrediting that whatsoever. I mean, his last elimination, uh, last series to, to win the series, he had a 50-piece. He had 51. So I'm not saying that he doesn't you know, perform in these games, however, today he just kind of went missing, he kind of went missing, I mean, all in all, he had 14 points, he was a minus 12, 11 rebounds, 4 assists, he shot 38%, when Derek White and Marcus Smarter out shooting you percentage-wise, it's, it's not a good fucking look, not at all, uh, he got to the line a bit because obviously you know the ankle was hampering him and he had to get in. But you know when you play forty one minutes and you only score fourteen points, that's I just I have no words. I have no words for that. Uh, Bam had a terrible game by his stand. Not terrible. Sorry, he had a bad game by his standards, and he still had a better output than what Jason Tatum had. So um. Obviously, the ball being pushed through Jalen Brown so much more um, with Jason Tatum being hampered. Um, a few more turnovers for him, uh, eight turnovers. Just You just got to take care of the ball better. Uh, he's not a primary ball handler. I get that. But when you're in a team that doesn't really have a primary ball handler, what, like, what more are you supposed to do? You give it to your superstars and your superstars are supposed to cash in um he had 19 points and he was doing everything he could in the first quarter which is the way that Boston likes to play they give JB the go first and then JT comes in and closes it but there was no closing there was no go um and and it's a lot to put on JB's shoulders I mean he shot 11% from downtown there's a real possibility that he's not there next year uh he'd be silly not to be because he can make the most money there next year but um, there's a real possibility that he's not there. Um, yeah, I mean, it took seven games, but Miami ended up getting this done. Um, I really thought it was going to be over in, in five, um, but at least it got done. At least it got done. I think a lot of credit has to be given to Eric Spolster as well. I mean, the, the wherewithal to put in Caleb Martin to the starting lineup and bring some of your your gun shooters off the bench in Max Struess and Duncan Robinson. I mean, Duncan Robinson, like... Let's just pull up his basketball reference page. He was barely playing in the in the regular season. Like, you guys have heard how much, you know, Locke was giving it to me, how much I was giving it back. And I was like, you got to have faith. you got to have faith in Duncan Robinson, man. He played 42 games at the regular season and averaged six points per game. Six points per game. That's like... I just have so many, I have so many questions about that. However, in the playoffs, oh, I don't want to see his game logs. What are we what are we doing here? Let's go back. Let's go back. Let's go back. Let's go back. Six points per game. Sorry, my uh obviously I'm not I'm not doing a very good job. Um in the playoffs, he's averaging nine. So it's not much more, but his minutes He's gone from 16 minutes per game in 42 games to 18 minutes per game in 17 games. He's shooting at 46%, 44% from downtown. In the regular season, he shot at 33% from downtown. So he's gone up nearly 11% on more shots, 4.6 to 5.2. So he's just playing his role. He's playing his role to perfection, less than two rebounds, less than two assists, He's out there to play the JJ Redick minutes and just shoot. And sometimes you just need guys like that. You need guys like that. Like some of these old Miami teams were predicated on guys like that. Mike Miller, Shane Battier, come out, shoot, play a little bit of defense. Um, I mean, Duncan gives up a lot on the defensive end, but it's just it's it's good to see. He's fulfilling a role. He's fulfilling a role. Going into the next series. Nuggets versus Heat. Now, the obvious answer is the Nuggets are the favorite. They've had all the rest. They've been the best team in the playoffs. They've steamrolled the playoffs. Um, I think they've only lost two games, all playoffs. So they're 14, uh, sorry, 12 and, and two right now. Um, but, I, you know, I've got a little bit of a breakdown here. And so the point guard battle, obviously, Jamal Murray versus Gabe Vincent. Jamal Murray is the guy there. Shooting guard battle: Contavious Caldwell Pope versus Max Strus. I mean, that's. I think that's kind of mute. I think what Contavious gives you on the defensive end is is better than Max, but what Max gives you on the offensive end is way better than Contavius. I mean, you expect a uh, you know a fifteen to twenty five point outburst from Max Strus. If you're lucky to get ten points from Contavius. so I mean, the guy can hit a corner three, but you know, is he? He's probably going to be on Jimmy Butler most of the game. Michael Porter versus Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler's the guy. Um, I don't know what they're going to do with the power forward position, but I've got here Aaron Gordon versus Duncan Robinson. Aaron Gordon wins that. So for those playing along at home, it's you know it's two one Nuggets. Jokic over Bam. Jokic is the guy. Uh, he is six and and0 against Bam in his career. So that doesn't bode well for Bam. Obviously, Caleb Martin over Bruce Brown, sixth man of the year. Bruce Brown versatile Bruce Brown and Caleb Martin, both very versatile players, but Bruce Brown obviously plays like more of a guard, um, dishing, driving kind of role, whereas Caleb Martin plays kind of that um, Gary Payton the second role where he's kind of like the other forward, the the other power forward and gets in there, gets rebounds when he needs to, he hits a massive shot. He's shown that over the last couple of days. Kyle Lowry versus Christian Brown, Kyle Lowry is that pedigree. And Kevin Love versus Jeff Green. I mean, the two old guys on the roster that come in and contribute when they need to, they're your eighth men. Um, I think that's a draw as well. I think that's, you know, that's even. So it's 3-3 either side. Nikola Jokic is a two-time MVP. Um, Aaron Gordon, obviously, is Aaron Gordon. Michael Porter Jr. could give you anything from three points to 30 points. Um, He's just so unpredictable that you just, you can't, I don't think you can put all your eggs in his basket. Obviously, this break is going to be fantastic for Jamal Murray, who are looking to you know continue to be playoff Jamal. But what people need to understand is there's you know there's another player out there. There's another there's another you know um, tactician out there, and they go by the names of Mike Malone, so Michael Malone, and Eric Spolstra. And I think that Eric Spolstra wins that battle. I think Mike Malone might have more regular season wins, but. When it's, you know, when it's nut punch time, I think Eric Spolstra is the one that you want on your sideline, running your X's and O's, being that guy. Um, all of these coaches getting fired, Pat Riley has always had faith in Eric Spolstra to be a fantastic coach, to get the most out of his guys. And you're seeing that in, in guys like Caleb Martin, Duncan Robinson, Max Drews, Gabe Vincent even. Um, you're seeing all the best out of them. So I don't know. I think this series is closer than you think. Um, it's definitely going to six or seven games. I think. Um, just a few things that I've noted about this series: the last time Miami won in Denver was 2016, uh, and Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic were off the bench in that game. So, I mean, that obviously needs to change if Miami are going to have any sort of uh, any sort of chance. In the two games that they played each other this year, Denver are a plus nine over two games. So, I think the first game they won by four, and the second game they won by five. Um, I don't think Bam played in either of those games. But, again, Jokic is 6-0 against Bam, so it is what it is. Um, The Nuggets this postseason have scored 119.7 points per 100 possessions. Um, That's the second best in the last 10 years, I believe, behind the Cavs, 122.1. But the Heat are playing some of the best defense that we've ever seen. They've only allowed 111.5 points per 100 possessions for this uh, Post season, and I don't think the Nuggets have seen a defense like Miami's before. They haven't seen a defense that's able to switch between zone, box and one uh, man coverage. And they're so versatile. They're all you know pretty tall, except for maybe Gabe Vincent out there and Kyle Lowry. They're all you know six five or above, and I think that that's where Denver has kind of punked people coming through this playoffs. Like they're all pretty. Pretty tall as well, and they've ever been able just to shoot over the top of people. I don't think that Michael Porter is going to be able to shoot over the top of people. I don't think Aaron Gordon's going to be able to drive through people. So I don't know. It's it it is going to come down to what Jamal Murray can do because I can see a lot of Eric Spolstra in that zone, just doubling Jokic as soon as he touches the ball or daring him to shoot it. And I mean, the Lakers dared him to shoot it, and they won in four. So. it <sighs> It is, a, it is a much for muchness, but you also got one of the greatest playoff performances of all time in terms of him averaging a 28, 14, and 11 triple double. So it's it's extremely up in the air. Um, the Nuggets, as I said, they haven't faced a defense like like Miami yet. Going through this, um, through this playoffs, they've played the 7th, 10th, and 12th ranked defenses in the league. They also haven't played a team this deep. Um, I think that, it's funny to say, but I think that the deepest team that they played was maybe Minnesota. But Minnesota's deep in the sense that they all have mediocre players. The Lakers have greatness and then mediocre below. the The Suns obviously have this great top end talent, but then less than mediocre below. They're they're obviously the least uh, deep team that they've played all playoffs, and they and they ran through them as well. So, um. I don't think that the sweep against the Lakers is indicative of what the Nuggets are actually... I think that was more on the Lakers and, and LeBron playing through that injury than what it was on the excellence of the Nuggets. Not trying to take away anything from from Nikola Jokic, from Mike Malone, from Jamal Murray, all of those guys. I mean, you got a Bruce Brown game. You got Christian Brown that was absolutely in the, uh, in the chest. Of LeBron sometimes. You got a few Jeff Green games. Um where you know he was able to contribute 10 plus that's all good and well but can you do that against a team that is able to switch out on defenses the way that miami is able to eric spolstra is probably the best all-around coach in the league um it's it's shown in him having a stable job for the last 20 years for basically my entire life um so it you know it'd be good to see uh it's going to be a great series a couple other stats the Nuggets take care of the ball a lot at only 11.7 turnovers per 100 possessions in the playoffs. Um, but again, they haven't seen a defense like Miami. Miami have been have ranked third all year. Regular season and playoffs, enforcing turnovers. Jimmy Butler has 10 more steals than anybody else in the playoffs. He's got 35. The next closest is 25. It's just where Denver has been really, really good they've been exploiting other defenses with ball movement and their ability to move players i think that that miami is going to be a rude shock for them because they're the by far and away the best defense that they've come up against and and you know no slouch against denver they've got extremely talented players but do they have guys with that dog do they have that drive and i i, I Feel like it often comes down to that with Miami teams. They have the dog. They have the drive. I mean, this is a team that bought flights to Denver a day before Game 7. Like, again, they're all multimillionaires. So if they lose, you know, the 400 bucks or whatever it is to fly to Denver, it is what it is. But the team jet was ready to go this is how much they believed that they were going to win in boston they went straight from boston to denver that was what the charter was supposed to be so they just have that grit they have that grind they have that passion um and i think that it's going to be be tighter than than anyone thinks i'm going to predict fuck it i'm going to go miami in 7 um and and that probably means that denver's going to win um, because it seems to be whoever i root for ends up losing uh except for miami Miami, i was obviously wanted over boston um but i mean two two days ago i wore a miami jersey they lost today i wore a boston jersey on purpose to see if they would lose they did lose so as i said on the stories go and check them out at fifth and dribble um i need to buy a denver jersey and wear that for for you know seven straight days and have them lose both home games and then the first one in miami because it, Miami have gone up against some serious competition. I mean, the Bucks, the Celtics, they were two of the top four teams in the NBA. They're about to go up against one of the other top four, not named the Philadelphia 76ers. So, like, if there's any team that can do it, it's Miami in this Cinderella run, you know, eighth seed to NBA finals. Um, you know, all the narrative around it's proof that Uh, the bubble is not a fluke. We haven't even mentioned that Tyler Hero could be back for game three in Miami. I mean, his hand is healing more and more every day. That's another 20 point per game scorer. It's going to be hard to reintegrate him in. And if it was any other coach that wasn't Eric Spolstra, I would be worried. However, he is a guy that is able to plug and play. And then that turns this team into a deep nine man team, a nine man. Man team versus an eight-man team is always going to win, no matter how good Nikola Jokic is, no matter how good he is. I will leave on this. Charles Barkley did say, Miami, they play hard, they play smart, they have a great coach, but I don't see anyone beating the Denver Nuggets. Chuck is a bit like me. He curses teams with with his prediction. Um, So maybe we counteract each other. Uh, Maybe I've cursed Miami. Maybe he's going to curse Denver. All we can do is wait and see. Uh, praise be unto the doc guy, the socials guy, and the Sherpa. Praise be our men. I hope you enjoyed this little solo uh, NBA show. And we will be back next week for the NRL show. We're going to break down Origin. We're going to break down uh, round 14. We'll catch you then. Take it easy.